Red 5. I'm going in. <laughs> Star Wars fans, welcome to another edition of Trench Run Report. We are here recording a delayed response to the first two parts, part one and two of the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show. I'm your host, Aaron Russo. I'm here with uh, Justin Gray standing by. And we are just going to dive right into um, all the things we liked or and or disliked about the first two episodes, the long-awaited premiere of uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. We were in Anaheim for Star Wars Celebration when these episodes were released, and we were not fortunate enough to be in the big uh, viewing, the early viewing premiere for a handful of fans. So we watched the first two episodes in our hotel room on my iPad, and then watched it probably a couple more times randomly throughout that weekend. And then when we got home, and so apologies for uh, the delay, but we are excited to talk about the first two episodes and the much-anticipated premiere of this show. So we're going to jump right into likes and dislikes for episodes one and two. And Justin, why don't you start out with your likes and dislikes. All right, so um, as Aaron said, that this show has been very much uh, been a huge anticipation for most Star Wars fans, um, and definitely including myself, since uh, growing up, Obi-Wan Kenobi was a big part of uh, my childhood. Um, I used to pretend to be him, I, he, he was like my favorite action figure, probably played with him the most as a kid. Um, and to finally have a show just about Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, and his, uh, adventures, uh, between episodes, uh, three and four is basically like a dream come true. And, uh, before, before I get more into detail, um, uh, if you haven't listened to, uh, Sean and David's, uh, uh, opinion on the episode uh, go please check that out um, but but this is just us and uh, uh, Aaron and I now so uh, we'll, we'll dive right in um, as far as uh, likes um, for the first episode of Kenobi uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi sorry um, I, I don't I don't think it's gonna matter either way but anyway um, I, I really uh, thought the Order 66 scene from like was done very well, um, a good setup, and then the uh, ten years later on uh, Tatooine with the uh, Inquisitors looking for a Jedi, and I'm glad that it wasn't Obi Wan right off the bat. It, it kind of shows that the Inquisitors are kind of um, in that time in their uh, careers where they're like, okay, we're kind of just picking up uh, 
uh, well, in uh, Riva's uh, terms, uh, scraps. Scraps, yeah. And uh, residue of Jedi. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I also uh, really liked the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, I know that there was like a big giant. Uh, uh, I I don't want to say a backlash, but there was kind of concern about like his look, and I I get it. Um, I and and I and it's kind of, for me. I kind of look at it like how I looked at Ahsoka back in, during the Mandalorian season two. Um, there are some things uh, they do for practicality and making the actors comfortable, so that didn't really bother me too much. What mattered to me was the performance and uh, uh, Rupert Friend, I believe his name was. Yeah. Um, he did a fantastic job, um, and, it, and it's surprising because uh, he said that he did not watch any Star Wars Rebels going into this book performances and he he um basically nailed uh, uh uh jason isaac um very well and uh and yeah bringing his own thing to the role so i really thought that was neat um i would say the, uh and plus i i do like reva the third sister um and I think her character is interesting so far. Um, and I know that there's like a little fan theory that um, she might have been one of the younglings at the beginning of Order 66. So um, that would be cool if that was the case. And then I'm pretty sure that it would be the case because I don't, because if they uh, didn't do that, then I think the, as cool as the Order 66 scene was, um, it kind of brings more to it if it was her. Um, it's highly likely that we'll, mm -hmm. we'll find out that that was her, and then that scene will be even more meaningful. And probably I would even guess that we'd get more of that, or m maybe more a flashback or two to that, her backstory as a youngling mm -hmm. fleeing, possibly. So, um, and, uh, we'll talk, I'll talk more about her as we get into episode two. Um, and I think so far the fifth brother, uh, hasn't really left an impression on me so far, but at the same time, um, he, it looks like he will be getting more screen time than the grand inquisitor in the show. So, um, more on that later. Uh, now, then we get to the um, part where we see Obi-Wan uh, um, taking on a regular uh, job um, in a meat market or a meat uh, manufacturing farm, I guess. Like, butcher shop. Yeah, pretty much. For the most part. Um, I, I, I did really, I really think uh, that. And it's kind of cool because, like, Ewan McGregor is also producing the show. So it's definitely uh, his show. And it's, and I'm definitely uh, see a veteran actor as Obi-Wan as opposed to uh, Episode 3 Obi-Wan. So that, that that's – I'm really enjoying that. 
Um, and I'm also, and I also kind of like the um, similarities. I, I think Sean actually mentioned this in the, their episode that there was uh, like a huge similarity between uh, Obi Wan and Ray from The Force Awakens, like that beginning. Uh, uh, like right. there's like pat there's patterns right, yeah. there's like poetry so it rhymes kind of uh-huh. thing right. with that so and uh then the jawa scene was really funny um got 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 all of jawas yep um Pelly's future boyfriend <laughs> no comments <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm an easy to please Star Wars fan, but I have no comment <laughs> on anything related to Pelly's romantic interest in Jawas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. That's that's all. That's that, that's uh, the Pelly coin. The Pelly uh, joke coin has been spent. So no. <laughs> <laughs> um. And. What, I'm trying to remember the first episode because I did I did watch it um, like at the beginning of the week. Um, so I I also liked the uh, confrontation between uh, Uncle Owen and Obi Wan. That was definitely going to be something that was going to be inevitable in this story. Um, and. I also really liked the uh, Inquisitor encounters uh, encounter with um, Uncle Owen, and I liked seeing those two egos um, butt butt heads, and I thought that was like really well done. And then uh, then it, then the show kind of takes a turn for uh, in a different in in a different direction, one that I didn't really expect. Um, maybe that's because I wasn't really paying attention to Obi-Wan news, but uh, Young Leia was something I didn't expect the show to like be focusing on. Um, if anything, I was thinking that um, as far as kids go, I knew Kid Luke was going to be in there because of the trailer, but um, Kid Leia, she's like doing a very very good performance even for a kid act actress um got that's um yeah um and i'm trying to remember else. oh yeah bit bail organa is back uh jimmy smith um definitely happy to see him back in the role and uh and it, it was kind of cool to see Alderaan and uh, see that uh, side of life that we didn't really get to see in uh, any of, of the Star Wars uh, stories that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Maybe one episode in the Clone Wars, but it was very brief. Um, and then uh, Leia getting abducted that um, outside of the ridiculous forest chase, and I'm probably not the only one that's kind of going, eh, that, oh, that, that scene wasn't for me, but at the same time, uh, uh, yeah, it kind of took the story where I didn't really expect it to go. And, and it kind of makes sense, because uh, if you really look at it, um, uh, Luke, Luke Skywalker's journey starts when he leaves the farm 
it, if he had an adventure with Obi-Wan before that, then I don't think it would make too much sense. Yeah, I agree. So, um, yeah, that would and uh, so, and the only other reason why Obi-Wan would probably leave Tatooine would be for uh, Leia, Anakin's other kid. So, um, really like where that story is going. And, uh, yeah, so not too much to dislike on the, on the episode um, outside of stuff that I've already said. Uh, Aaron, how about you? Um, well, I mean, I... I... Loved the episode. I thought it was um, very well executed in pretty much every way. Um, I thought I, I thought the Order sixty six scene was really good. I thought that was a really good way to start the show, and kind of when you add the like the the whole opening sequence where they kind of recap Obi Wan's prequel history, and then go right into that Order 66 scene. I really, I like that it, it, it kind of, it set the stage and it, it gave the prequels like the place that I think it deserves in this story. Um, I thought that the, the sequence itself, the Order 66 sequence was really well done. Um, having those live action clone troopers and the lightsaber action was good. Uh, thought that was really well done. It, like it kind of grabbed your attention instead of going into like right into Obi-Wan on Tatooine. Um, so you have this like gut punch of Order 66 and then Tatooine. I thought that was really well done. Um, I loved, um, I thought they just did a great job. Ewan McGregor did a great job portraying Obi-Wan in this episode. Um, just giving you that sense of you know, 10 years is a long time. And I think it was the, the way that they just kind of showed you his his existence on Tatooine, like his work, which I love those scenes. I love that they were clocking in and out on a gonk droid and, <laughs> and all that. And like that first sequence where he's like that first moment where he's, you can see him struggling to not like when that one guy's underpaid and they and he's the guy's just being a jerk and Obi-Wan's like, ah, I'm not gonna say anything. Like that just perfectly like set up, like, okay, the setting is Obi-Wan is just hiding, trying to survive. He's he's not functioning as a as a Jedi, which I thought was really interesting in light of what the Inquisitor says about the Jedi and the itch and like how they just can't help themselves and yet Obi-Wan is clearly like figured out how to turn off his Jedi instincts to, to, to help people um, because he, he has to stay anonymous. He has to stay hidden. He has to stay, you know, off the radar so that he can stay alive and keep an eye on Luke. So I think all of that makes sense. I know some people were complaining that the Obi-Wan's, you know, like Luke in Last Jedi or whatever, but I just don't see that. I think they, that Obi-Wan is what I would expect him to be. I think Ewan McGregor's pulling off the performance just fine. Um, and then the the entrance of the Inquisitors, I think, was also really well done. I love that saloon scene and the Grand Inquisitor. I agree that uh, 
regardless of the concerns about physical appearance or the fact that Rupert Friend didn't, didn't watch Rebels. Um, I think he did a great job. I, I love how that, that first moment where he's walking down the street and he looks at the saloon and he growls. He does this little like, like that's just so sinister and so like like there's this this menacing violent hostility like lurking under the under the you know under his character and and that whole sequence in the saloon I thought was really really well done. Um, so I, I loved everything on Tatooine. I thought they set the stage really well. Um, going back and forth between you know Obi Wan's existence, the Inquisitor's pursuit. Um, I agree. Uh, I really like Riva so far. I don't have a pro I don't think that her character is given too much attention. Um, I think the the show is still clearly screen time, and everything is much more focused on Obi Wan and then on Leia. Um, but Riva is a character I think is really well done. It drives the story. Like her and her motivations are like what pushes the story forward. Um, everything she does has the desired effect. Um, yeah, I think it was great. I think I loved Alderaan. Like you said, never seen live action, full you know footage of Alderaan. Um, and uh, well, there was episode three, like at the very end, but again, very brief. Brief, but we got we got a full you know solid like you know series of minutes of scenes just on Alderaan with. Leia and I, I just think everything about you know everything about the the character portrayal is consistent with who Leia is. There's so many times in the episode where I just felt like it was like so similar to how Leia behaved in A New Hope, like when they were rescuing her from the Death Star. She's just she's not just like this helpless, you know, princess who's just being led on her own rescue. She's engaged, and I think it was very similar. And I liked that how that was done. I think that the actress, she, for a child actress, I think she nails it. I, I was pretty convincing. There's little moments where you can kind of tell, you know, she's not a seasoned actress, but mm -hmm. for the most part, it was great. Jimmy Smith was great. It was great to see him again. I loved the the scenes on Alderaan. It really set up her character really well. Um, and yeah, I think, and I think the, the. Um, from the point where Leia is abducted, um, I think it was just really well done. Just how the her abduction and then countered with Obi Wan's refusal initially to do anything about it, um, and they show him like trying to just he says no to Bail the first time. He he shuts it out of his mind. He goes tries to go back to his normal life. Um, and also just in fact, I, I really like the, you know, there's that sequence where the other Jedi, Nar, Nari, is it Nari? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I actually forgot to talk about that yeah, as well. Like how he, okay. he tries to approach him and it's like, no man, just go live a normal life. Like, um, so I really like how that, that it, the kidnapping of Leia and how that, and I love that I just, when Jimmy Smith actually shows up on Tatooine and pleads with him. Um, really well done. Um, the sequences with Leia, you know, while, while she's being being held held hostage, um, I thought that was all very very convincing. And I just like I loved the the 
you know, that, that how Obi-Wan very hesitantly, very reluctantly decides that he's got to go and do what he can. Um, but he's not like he's 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 very he's scared. He's he's he hasn't he's been if you think about what he's been doing for ten, ten years is a really long time, and I think it was very realistic that he would be hesitant, that he would even be afraid, like to get back out off of Tatooine after ten years of just living all by himself in the desert, doing absolutely nothing. Um, and I love that scene where where he goes to the you know the the gate of the wherever the, oh, yeah, the ship. yeah, and it's like he's like very hesitant, and then that lady just says well are you coming or not and and like you just see that moment where he's like i'm doing this and he goes and we get the, the glimpse of his lightsaber um really well done I, I really don't know that i have any strong dislikes of the episode i think that it was it was all really well done there were you know maybe those moments when leia is unrealistically capable of avoiding vicious kidnappers and Whatever. I, I love the scene where she's sassing her cousin. And, you know, oh, it's yeah. just, I thought that was spot on. Like, I thought it was, you know, really well done. Um, yeah, I don't know that I had, I, I can't say that there were any moments where I was just like, found myself disliking the episode. I, I enjoyed it. I thought that everything they did was effective. Um, the performances were all solid. Um, I think visually, the show looks really good. Um, I mean, we just got Alderaan and tattooing for the most part, I think, in that in that episode, and it all looked looked really good. Um, and I, I really I think that without getting too far ahead into the second and third episode, I think it was a perfect first episode. Like it really was not heavy on action. It took the whole hour to just establish the characters, establish the circumstances, and it ended perfectly i think um so yeah i don't really have any complaints i can't think of anything that jumped out at me like like i mean there's definitely things i've seen in other shows that have bothered me more than anything i saw in this episode so that was a great great start um yeah i really liked it uh before we jump into the second uh episode um i thought it would kind of be kind of cool to note that the theme to obi-wan uh, was done by the one and only John Williams, mm-hmm. uh, and then then the rest of the music was done by uh, uh, Natalie Holt, who did the uh, music for Loki. Um, did not know that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what what were what were your thoughts on the Obi Wan theme? I love it. I yeah. love it. And I, I found it on Apple Music, and I sometimes will just play it on loop mm. in my car and just listen. To it over and over again. I, I like anything John Williams does. I feel like it just it's grows on you, mm-hmm. and I really like that. I'm really excited to get the whole that they at some point re- release the soundtrack for the whole season. Okay. Um, I haven't been able to find that yet. No, um, I don't think they'll be releasing that until like maybe the whole the whole uh, season's over. I, I know that for the Mandalorian, they used to do it by episode when the first season came out. And then when the second season came out, they kind of split it in half to avoid spoilers for like the later half of the uh, season. 
And then the same thing happened with the Book of Boba Fett, but uh, with there only being uh, uh, six episodes and yeah, the first three coming out in four days, four or five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they'll wait to hold off on uh, releasing, uh, releasing Natalie Holt's uh, 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 work. So yeah, no. I, I, I like I said, I, I felt like music. Cinematography, special effects, everything, just spot on. I, yeah, I don't think I have any any complaints. All right, so uh, let's uh, jump into the um, second episode, um, which actually so far they're only being called parts like like parts one, two, and three. Yeah. Uh, there's no. Uh, no, so, titles. no titles. No chapters. So that's quite interesting. Um, which is like something, which is something else that I think we can talk about. Um, so like the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett have this kind of, uh, similar style with their intros and endings to, to where it makes it unique, where like, like with Mandalorian, they'll show like the, they'll have, or book of Boba Fett, they'll have a, uh, title, the title come up and then like, then the chapters, and then later on in the credits, they show uh, concept artwork. But with Kenobi, it feels like they're kind of going the more cinematic approach yeah. with uh, just like the title at the beginning before they show anything else. And then later, then the ending credits just looking like the, uh, with the blue, uh, yeah, Lucas blue text. Yeah. So. yeah, I like that too. But I definitely feel like the show overall has a much more movie quality and feel mm. um, than, a, than the other shows, for sure. So, all right, with that out of the way, uh, Aaron, what were your likes and uh, dislikes about uh, episode two or part two? Yeah. Um, I, I, um, I love the, the continuity, like it just picks up, right? You know, we, we left off with Obi-Wan getting on the ship, mm-hmm. and it pretty much picks up, I believe, not for, I'm, not, I'm forgetting how exactly the episode starts. Yeah, he gets off at the port. He gets, he approaches Dayu, yep. and he's, you know, gets off, and he's trying to find Leia. I think Dayu just looked great. Like, I love the look and feel of all of that. Um it felt very cinematic and very full. Like there was a lot of characters and extras filling in the spaces, and mm-hmm. which was, I think, quite a bit different from Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, where I feel like there's a, not as much of that going on. Um, and well, that that also kind of begs the the question: Was this filmed like on a set, or was this uh, part of the vo- the volume? Which is which? It's kind. It's at times it feels like it's kind of hard to tell, um, with the, like how I the lighting like works. This was. I feel like this was. There was I more. Think. There were more sets in this. I think. Okay. That was my yeah. impression anyway. I think it was. There were more. There was. There was more physical. Set and spaces, but there was still I think volume backdrop there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, however they did it, I just, I feel like the way Dayu was, sh- wait, 
came across, it felt very full, very real, very rich. And there was a lot of detail, a lot of activity going on, a lot of, you know, like you got a sense for like the activity and the, the lights and everything. And it felt very somewhat similar to like Coruscant underground, like, you know, bottom levels of Coruscant kind of feel. Um, but yeah, as I, I think the, the, the scenes with him, I, I, I think the episode itself, like maybe was a little bit s- slower just in the sense of like, we just spent most of the time with Obi-Wan trying to find Leia. Um, I loved, um, the phony Jedi, uh, character, mm-hmm. um, and his his mannerisms, I thought I just thought he just it was just the right amount of comic relief without being too silly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a little silly, but he was it was a it, it, it gave me some smiles and chuckles that I, I thought were appropriate given the the seriousness of what Obi Wan is trying to do. Um, so I really enjoyed those scenes, like when when Obi Wan confronted him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was great. Um, Oh, my, the light is... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just hilarious. It was so funny. Um, so, and then and then yeah. having that, that um, the backdrop of, like, the Inquisitors um, figuring out, you know, uh, they, I mean, like, uh, Reva already knows um, that, that uh, Leia is there. Um, and then when the Inquisitor, Grand Inquisitor finds out, and they they all go to try to flush out uh, Obi Wan, um, I thought that was all really well done. Like that that balance, that that sense of like pursuit, and that Obi Wan is desperately trying to find Leia and get her off the planet before they show up and and start you know that squeezing him out. Um, I love that. I, I like that Reva's like she just doesn't she doesn't listen to anyone. Like, she keeps going behind the back of the Grand Inquisitor, doesn't listen to her peers. She keeps saying, okay, sure, whatever, and then goes and just does whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do have to mention that I, I just absolutely love the, the casting of Flea as the main kidnapper. Oh, I've yeah. grown up in the 80s with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And if you are familiar with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I mean, for... <laughs> Their most infamous uh, moment was in history was they would perform completely naked with like just socks over their private parts. <laughs> so the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were like this very like at the time cutting edge, you know, like way yeah. out there, like punk, pseudo punk rock band. Um, and so to see Flea, who's done other acting, um, I think he's. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he was. Uh... McFly, uh, Chicken McFly. Yeah, he's 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 really good. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Um, I just love this episode. I love the the all the the underworld feel of it. I thought was great. I love. I have always felt like they could do more with giving us glimpses of like the underworld of the galaxy and how how the Star Wars stories interact with that part of, of the of the of the universe. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, most of the episode was, was, I think even all of the episode was on Dayu, or am I mistaken? 
Yeah. Is there mm-hmm. any part that where we leave that planet? I don't think uh, so. ex- Except for the end. Uh, like, very end, where they get off the planet and itself. Fly away. And then the um, big giant reveal at the end, but, yeah. I, I love all the... Uh, I love the chemistry between Obi-Wan and, and Leia. Mm-hmm. I love the, the, the back and forth with them. I know that some people complained, again, about how she could so easily get away from Obi-Wan there. I think that was a little bit more believable than the forest chase scene in the in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you've ever... I mean, I've had a hard time chasing down my three-year-old grandson in the shopping mall. So I think a 10-year-old girl in a crowded environment like that could realistically, you know, get away um, from Obi-Wan temporarily. Um but I just thought that I think that the the chemistry between those two performances is was strong, and it, and I think that was critical to the episode. Like that had to be believable and entertaining, and I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was interesting how even in going into the third episode, how Leia's tenacity and kind of everything about her character contrasts with Obi Wan. Like he's just very reserved and trying to. Just keep a low profile and whatever, and mm-hmm. she's just like, oh. um, I love that little snarky line, like, 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 I'm old enough to. She says something about you're old enough to be your your dad, and he's like, more like grandfather or something like that. Like, she's just snarky like that, and I thought that was fun. Um, I obviously one of the big moments in the episode was when Riva appears to kill the Grand Inquisitor, which I think in the in the episode and in the moment it worked. Mm-hmm. Like like he was gonna try to he keeps trying to get into the last second and like steal the credit for what she's doing. And this time instead of whatever, she's just like, yeah no, I'm just I'm just gonna kill you. It looks like she intends to kill him, and he appears to die, which obviously, for continuity reasons, is perplexing, because mm-hmm. the Grand Inquisitor, if we assume that this Grand Inquisitor is the same Grand Inquisitor in Rebels in the comics, then he shouldn't be dead. And so maybe that's my one gripe, is like, we haven't seen the whole thing yet, so maybe he's not dead. But it certainly was... The scene came across as she killed him and he's dead. And then in episode three, it does seem that she seems to think that he's dead. Um, but I don't know. So I don't know how they're going to explain that. Or if they're mm-hmm. not, if they're not, that might be a little bit problematic. Yeah. Because um, it's like, okay, so how do you explain the fact that this character? shows back up in the timeline during Rebels, assuming it's the same character. So I don't know. But I loved the the moments where Reva is like hunting Obi-Wan, like you know, like when she when they're in that port area, she's like, Obi-Wan like like that to me, I think some people I know some people didn't like that. I love that like horror movie feel. Like mm-hmm. he's hiding the red lightsaber glow. He's, you know, 
panicking, trying to get Leia safe, but still so he's so insecure in his abilities to face anybody off, face anybody down. He does get out his lightsaber, but he doesn't ignite it. Mm-hmm. He, he just tries to hide. And she's just like stalking him. And when she tells him, when she says Lord Vader, and then she senses, I believe, oh, you didn't know Anakin Skywalker is alive. Now, I know that there's part of me that's like maybe a little bit disappointed that that was the scene and that was how he found out. Maybe it could have been done in a way that where a character we already know tells him or he finds out some other coincidental way. So it's a little on the nose, like he's just hiding and she just tells him. But I still think his the way he reacts was really good. And from that point forward, the way that Ewan McGregor shows how stunned and, sh- and shocked and haunted he is by that revelation was really good. And like how when he's in the ship at the end and like he's just sitting there staring off into space, kind of stunned. And Leia's voice like fades out. She's like, what's going on? Are you okay? And it's like fading out. And he's just like, and it, we get that moment where the, you watch him, where it sinks in that he just found out Anakin's alive. And the way that they, so I wonder what you think about, like when he's sitting there and he's, and then he just says, Anakin. And then it cuts right to Anakin, Vader, in the back of the tank. Um, do you think he was actually reaching out to him? Or do, you, or do you think that Anakin actually sensed him at that moment? Or was that just... A more dramatic a way to show it. Um, it. For me, it might be a bit of both. Um, it's definitely, it definitely felt like there was some type of uh, presence there, whether whether it was uh, Obi-Wan trying to reach out to see if Anakin is there, is in fact alive. Yeah, yeah. And then Anakin or Vader receiving that. Um, whether whether Obi Wan intended right. for him to detect that, it mm-hmm. seems like Anakin. Because I feel like there is Anakin kind of goes, he opens his eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Like like something triggers. I don't know if that was just coincidental, um, but either way, I thought that was really well done. Mm-hmm. And that moment, I mean, it's like then that horror vibe just like notches up and like. Anakin is just horrifying to see. Um, that was truly just a horrifying moment. Like, filled you with dread and fills you with, like, oh my God. Like, mm-hmm. scary, right? Um, and again, I thought that was just uh, another great way to end an episode. Like, like man, that was perfect. Anakin... And then it's over. So I think dislikes, like I said, maybe, I don't know how much I dislike killing the Grand Inquisitor yet because I haven't seen the whole show. Mm-hmm. But for fans who haven't seen Rebels, that probably didn't register with them at all. And that's fine. Um, but if you are a canon person and you watch Rebels, yeah, yeah. then uh-huh. you're like, uh, what? 
Okay. Not sure what just happened because if he's dead, then I have questions about the rebels continuity, which is understandable. But I think in the moment for dramatic effect, that was really well done. I don't know that I have any other real complaints about the episode other than, you know, maybe some of the stuff with Leia is a little like, you know, like how much of a stubborn, headstrong character who's 10 years old works. But I felt like it worked. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't have any anything really stuck out to me that was like where I was taken out of the moment or just where I felt it didn't work. Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of go with dislikes first. Um, I think the scene of, uh, like, that will, obviously the Grand Inquisitor scene was, it, d- it definitely did throw me off the first time. Um, I was kind of like, uh, wait, 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 wait. That's kind of screwing around with canon right now and uh but um and then I kind of watched it again I'm like okay maybe you can survive that even though it's a definitely a Qui-Gon uh, stab that right yes, there it was exactly um, what killed Qui-Gon right I but feel like you, you then then it kind of then kind of then I had to remind myself different anatomy Qui-Gon was way older and plus he had had that injury a bit Actually, I don't know how long the Inquisitor had that injury. So, um, but then the third time watching it, and I'm trying to remember how the Inquisitor died in Rebels, and he fell to his death, and he actually said something that kind of piqued my interest, and actually put out a tweet, and it actually got people thinking, huh? Okay, uh, it's the last words that he says, and it, and they are, there are some things far fr- far more frightening than death. So, is that an indication he's been through that? Um, maybe the way he gets, well, quote-unquote, resurrected, was that more painful? I, I don't know. It's kind of just uh, something that I've been thinking about the last uh, couple days. Yeah. And it's like, okay, maybe they might go somewhere with that. Um, but as, as, as is... Um, it's it's not a heavily confirmed death because uh, I feel like uh, well I don't want to uh, give up too much away for the next episode but we've already talked about it um, that they don't really mention it as a death um, which is very interesting. Um, uh, no, another thing I wasn't really a huge fan of. Um, and this is like a very, very, very nitpicky thing. So it's it's not one that prevented me from. Okay. Oh. Continue. <laughs> All right. Um. So there was a lot of uh, um, Arbesh uh, graffiti. And for my OCD mind, I'm trying to concentrate on what it says. And then and, and, uh, back in high school, I used to be able to read that as good as English at one point. I've been a, very, a bit rusty. Uh, and so 
most of the time it's like, all right, what does that say? Oh, it just says market. Okay. Uh, and then there's other scenes where there's like graffiti on the walls. Like, oh, I want to read it, but then they pan out and it's like, ugh. <laughs> so it's definitely an episode where um, somebody's, I'm pretty sure somebody's already paused it and translated everything, uh, which I feel like that would be a fun game to uh, play is like translate almost everything in that marketplace. Um, but then, but then again, it kind of just distracts me a bit. Um, but not enough for me to like not like the episode. But it it, it is uh, uh, just a little thing for my Star Wars obsessed mind. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but my likes, um, basically everything from uh, uh, the uh, con, the con man, uh, like how he tricks that family, I thought was very, very well done, very comedic. Um, but at the same time, he is helping, though it's still kind of <laughs> wrong on how he does it. He's like a good so, bad guy. Right. Uh huh. <laughs> He's like, he's, he's, in some ways, he kind of, not really not at all, but like the element of like Han Solo and how Han's like a smuggler and mm -hmm. he's a basically just for hire, doesn't really care what the job is or like doesn't care if there's any moral ambiguity about things. He's just trying to survive and he's trying to survive, but he's dishonest. He's not a Jedi, he's faking that he's a Jedi. So that he can get people to seek him out for help, and he does help people. Yeah, he, he appears to help people, um, but he's just dishonest. But we find out later in the episode that he's a good guy, like, and he ends up being he pretty much like saves Obi Wan in that alley and shoots that bounty hunter that's sneaking up on them, um, and yeah. I, I, I like that character. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to see him again. I'm I, I, I hope that we will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, I also liked the um, scene where uh, Obi Wan was sneaking into that like drug dealing yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, establishment, kind of like a Breaking Bad bad references. Yes, that there. was a little bit. Yeah. A little bit uh, of that. Sp speaking of drugs. Um, Oh man, oh. that that was that was a bad segue, but um, <laughs> uh, well, he gets the drug from that character, so um, that helps him out. But uh, Ewan's daughter uh, cameoing in that uh, as a cameo in that episode, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I'm sure that was very cool for Ewan McGregor. Oh yeah, in mm -hmm. <laughs> in that line about like dot like uh, she used to be somebody's daughter once. Right. I, th I thought that was a Nice little wink to the camera. Yeah. Um, but, and, yeah, as, as you said, I really, really, really liked the uh, uh, chemistry between uh, Obi-Wan and Leia. Um, and I liked how, uh, like, not too, uh, it's, it's definitely different from Mando and Grogu's relationship. And it's definitely different from, like, his and Anakin's from the past, uh, and Ahsoka's from the Clone Wars. 
Um, I, and uh, I think it really, really works. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I also really like how, um, from what I've gathered, I don't think Leia knows him as Obi-Wan. I think she knows him as Ben. Um, and I also um, heard some people talking uh, on different podcasts about uh, the significance of uh, Luke saying, uh, I'm here with Ben Kenobi um, in A New Hope. And I feel like that's kind of the moment where she kind of put two and two together. Um, but that's like a whole nother uh, yeah. can, can of worms. Um, I really liked the uh, scene with the Inquisitors again. I liked how the Grand Inquisitor is like kind of like that boss that like tries to like take credit we for we weasels into your uh, uh, achievements in some way or form. <laughs> um, I, I'm not. I really can't say I'm not I'm not speaking from experience. Oh, I, okay. I'm I'm not even gonna touch that. Um, but yeah, very, very relatable. Um, and I also, again, like you said, uh, I like how she kind of says, "All right, I'll do do whatever you want," and then totally does something right. uh, behind their back. Mm -hmm. and, and it's work in the really yeah, interesting part. It's working. Right. So she's, um, she's she is. I think that's what really works about her character is that like the longer you watch the show, right? Like she's there's something about like she's just she has laser focused, right? And she's very like I really like I know some people really really have complained about the Inquisitors being the weak part of the show. Um, I've heard some people say that. I feel like they're very Sith. Like they're always they're all none, they, they don't get along. Right. They're all competing with each other. You can't trust, none of them trust the other. They're all, you know, jockeying for position to either one up the other one or get more favor with Vader or, you know, and we get more of that in episode three. And I, I really think that's done really well, actually. And it shows that they're just like these dysfunctional, vicious hunters that are just. They're all kind of, kind of just mostly all of them are driven by their own individual ambition, and she's the, the most driven. Um, so I really think that that's really good, and I think that that's you know. And then when we get into the third episode, then we you know then Vader becomes more the the person who's per pushing and pursuing. Um, but yeah, I think it works for me so far. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and like, what what else can I say about the ending um, that hasn't already been said? Like every little moment, um, I really loved. And I know that it's gonna bug people that grew up with the. Uh, um, trying to remember the uh, EU no novel um, but I've, I've read it before uh, it's about uh, Vader right after episode three. Oh yeah um, I, mean, I, I, I think I think we've actually talked about that novel a couple times on the podcast and David 
definitely I read uh, that it. years ago when it first yeah. came out. Mm-hmm. So, and, but I thought the reveal was um, done very well. Um, a bit, a bit kind of, I feel like, I feel like the only nitpick is is that as far as like Reva saying Anakin Skywalker's alive is a bit uh I I know what why it's there. It does create that um tension uh for the scene. Though it kind of also begs the question, did Vader give that information to her? Yes. How did she know um, something that... Or did she witness Anakin massacring younglings in Order 66 and she kind of put two and two together? I, there's still a lot to be explored with that statement. Yeah. Um, and as far as a new character giving that information, I think I, I thought that was like a very bold decision and one that worked for me. I know it didn't work for everybody else, but I mean, for like, I'm a, I don't want to, eh, for like some people, I guess. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point, though. I mean, I didn't think about that initially too much, but you have, it seems to me that Obi Wan had never heard the name Vader up to that point? Well, in episode three, uh, Yoda said, the boy you trained, gone he is, consumed by Darth Vader. So, yeah, he knew, he knew the, the name Vader, um, like, that's what his new name was. But then, but then, but then um, by the end of the movie, he just assumes that Vader slash Anakin is dead. Right. And then, I guess we would assume that from that point where he walks away from him on Mustafar to the moment with Reva, that he never even hears the name Vader right. in passing, which is a little bit hard to believe that for 10 years living on Tatooine, he never heard whispers of there's this guy Vader out there somewhere. And I don't know if that's implied or not. It seems like it's implied that he didn't hear that until that mm-hmm. point, which would be kind of hard to believe. But that was a little bit, that was more, I glossed over that more than the fact that it's like, okay, she knows that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. I don't think any of the other Inquisitors know that, or at least they don't say that they do. They right. just refer to him as Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, which begs the question, like you said, how does she know that? Why does she know that? And why does she decide to tell Obi-Wan that, I guess, to get in his head and mm-hmm. just get him shaking in his boots, um, which I think that worked really well, like, of course, like, if he doesn't know until that moment, right, like, that really messes with him, gets mm-hmm. him really out of sorts, but yeah, I mean, I hope, I'm assuming that we'll find out sometime in the next three episodes, mm-hmm how or why she knows that, I suppose. We'll see. All righty. So um, on a scale of, uh, so I think it would be kind of cool to, um, well, 
for, for one part of uh, the ending of this uh, episode of Trent Run, I think it would be cool if we uh, rate the episodes. Um, what would you give uh, parts one and two? Um, I think um, when, when we first watched them in the hotel uh, in Anaheim, it was late at night and I was tired and a little bit tipsy. <laughs> right. <laughs> From our 501st bash endeavors. Um, I think at that time, I think I gave it an 8.5. I think I gave them both an 8.5. Um, and then I've had some time to watch. I've watched all of these episodes quite a few times over the last week and a half. And, um, I just, I think I would raise my score a little bit. I think the first two episodes, especially given what happens in the third episode, I think I'm really, I'm, I'm somewhere between eight and a half, nine. Oh, okay. Um, for those two episodes. Um, yeah. So maybe I'd go up to like 8.8. All righty. Um, for, uh, my, for my, uh, um, score for the, uh, part one, I definitely would give it an 8.7. Um, actually, I think, no, that was, it was actually, uh, um, 8.9, because I really did enjoy the first uh, episode, even though there, there was no light super fights. It was mostly just character set up. I, I think it did it very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like if you even if you even never saw the prequels, which even that prequel uh, recap was done very well, mm-hmm. um, I think it just sets up everything beautifully. Um, for part two, I'd give it a round and... 8.5 um my minor stuff um that kind of withholds it from being a nine mm-hmm. but overall i did enjoy the episode i did enjoy uh um the atmosphere um and i did enjoy the uh uh chemistry between uh obi-wan and leia mm-hmm. uh, i thought that was very well done uh the villains were Mostly Riva was definitely uh, a driving force. Um, so, yeah, def- so far, loving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think my overall impression now that we're halfway through the season or we're looking at the um, for me, what, I, I, I think there's a lot of things going on. I think that one of the things that the show benefits from is, number one, they're just telling one story mm-hmm. um it's very different from in my opinion mandalorian as much as i love mandalorian it's definitely has quote unquote to use a controversial term filler episodes this show does not and i don't think it will i think every episode is going to drive the story along they only have six episodes so that's they don't have time for a random meaningless or semi-meaningless uh, adventure, you know. Um, and I think, and also the fact that, I mean, literally, like, the episodes literally, one episode ends, the next episode begins, and we're literally, like, there's no time jump mm-hmm. of any significance at all. Um, I like that. And I think that it also is strong because you have one director 
with one vision for the whole thing. And I think that that makes it stronger as a, as a series so far for me than um, previous endeavors. I think Book of Boba Fett, it's a weird scenario because I think the, the first four episodes are all pretty much contiguous. There's no real filler. Mm-hmm. It's just a slow build of the story. And then the f- filler episodes, if you want to call them that, the, basically the Mando episodes yeah. are, you could make the argument those are filler episodes, but they're so good and so enjoyable, even though they kind of are a pause on the Boba Fett story until the final episode. Um, so again, like all of that, like this, this just doesn't have that at all. It's just, it's telling a story. Each episode drives the story forward. Deborah Chow is the only director for all of them. And I think she's done a great job of, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really in, 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 in the context of, of, um, the fandom, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm just the more I, I kind of had this feeling at the end of the book of Boba Fett and going into Kenobi, and I'm just re- really realizing, like for me, like I don't know how else, how else to say it. Like it's just it's so easy to, I think because of the culture that we live in, where like you build up hype. It's very different from how it used to be. Like. The hype is just constant. Like, you know, we've been hyping this thing up for years. And I think the combination of hype and the way that social media and the internet kind of um, puts a spotlight on negativity um, has unfortunately created an environment where people, I think, are losing the ability to enjoy things mm-hmm. like Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Because... I mean, if your if your complaint is like that, there's plot holes or that there's they're breaking canon or whatever. Then my thought on that, and I'm not, I don't care. Like, if you don't have to like something that I like, it's it's irrelevant. But like, but it, the reality is, is that there are so many. I mean, Star Wars is, you know, is notorious for plot holes. Like, there's just plot holes all over Star Wars, right? Like. I mean, like one example that pops into my head, you know, it's like it's like Jedi, you know, Yoda, master, Yoda, Yoda, Obi Wan says Yoda was the master who trained me in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. and then we go to the prequels, and Qui Gon Jinn is his master. Yoda was never his master. Yoda never trained him, no matter what you say. Yoda was never his master. Yoda never trained him. Maybe he did some early training or whatever. So huge plot hole. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, well, if David was here, he'd say Jedi, uh, Jedi Apprentice, because they do address that Yoda kind of took in Obi Wan like for a little bit, if I can remember correctly. But but the way it's stated in the original uh trilogy, it's like he makes it sound like Yoda was his his primary teacher, Mm -hmm. and and then and then the prequels, Qui Gon's the primary teacher, or even just the original trilogy. You know, like in the first movie. There's no way that Obi-Wan, I don't think that that movie was made with a plan to show that Vader is his father. And certainly not Leia being Luke's sister. Like there's just yeah. things that just don't 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 make a whole lot of sense. And 
I think that one of my takeaways and something that I think that combination of Book of Boba Fett and the Book of Boba Fett, which I really, really enjoyed the last three episodes of that show, the Kenobi series so far, and our experience at Star Wars Celebration, which was just such a positive, joyful, you know, great experience. It's like, I don't want to lose the ability to enjoy Star Wars. And I think that that's something that's happened for some people. And I hope that I don't lose the ability to just enjoy it. Like, mm-hmm. And so far, I'm enjoying this series. Like, I'm really not finding too much fault in it. And I'm enjoying it. And, you know, I know some people say, well, we've just... You know, some people are, like, complaining that too many Star Wars fans will just like everything that comes out. Well, I don't like everything that's come out. But this I really like so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, And uh, just speaking of the fandom, and I really don't want to end the episode this way. um, And I really did not want to talk about this uh, topic. Um. But uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the actress who plays Riva, the uh, third sister, has been uh, harassed online. And uh, to the point where people were using racial slurs and just like, just awful. Um, And unfortunately, that's nothing new with Star Wars. Um, one could say one could say that it started back in 1980 with Billy Dee Williams, but um, unfo- but unfortunate, but fortunately back then it was it like it wasn't anything like what it is now, where um, like just tiny a tiny group of people with a big voice can make a big impact. Um, but overall, um, here on Trent Run Report and the reason why I created. Uh, trench run um, and brought uh, so many people like Aaron, David, Sean, Jacob is to bring people together with different Star Wars backgrounds. And all of us don't really uh, agree on a, on like everything. Uh, trust and believe there are some pe- members on our uh, crew that Reva's not their favorite character. Um, they don't some like some don't really like how she's written and that's fine you you can like that's that's story stuff you can Absolutely. you can uh you can judge that all you want the live long day um but in but all of us as a as a crew as a team we do not uh condole actions of racism or harassment uh to actors that's just wrong and uh, they are just doing their job. And I kind of applaud Moses Ingram for even uh, tackling a character that reveals a big moment for Star Wars canon. That's not an easy uh, thing to put on anybody's shoulders. Um, and uh, I could keep I I could say a lot more, but. I feel like that would just be talking to the wind. Um, Star Wars is for everyone, uh, not just for um, 
people that think like us. Um, and yeah, don't, don't, don't be an a-hole. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think so. my thoughts on that are number one, obviously I mean, it goes without saying, you know, any racism or racial based attacks are, you know, they're unfortunately, you know, a part of our culture and our history. Um, and so on the one hand, nothing surprising about that, unfortunately. Right. Like, there's no shock to me. Like, when I hear, oh, it turns out she got some racially, you know, hateful messages, that doesn't surprise me. I also think that it's, in, I mean, I can't ever know who every one of those individual people are, but um, if any of them claim to even be Star Wars fans, which I think you could question that. I mean, yeah. anybody can just go into her DMs and just say any hateful thing they want. It doesn't mean they're Star Wars fans. Right. And I really don't like that even people, even people who are saying that that's wrong, and I think I would even go a step further and say, you know, I don't know that we can even say that that's representative of any Star Wars fan. I don't, I mean, when we were at Celebration, like, I, I really would venture to guess that if you look at the entire entirety of our culture mm-hmm. and what percentage of our of people in our culture are explicitly racist, I think if you then took the Star Wars fan population, and I mean like the fandom, not just the casual fan, but the fans, yeah, um, I think that that percentage gets even smaller. Um, I think, I mean, my experience with Star Wars fans has always been they are amongst the most accepting, the most open-minded, the most loving, caring, kind, inclusive, you know, I don't know how you could have gone to Star Wars Celebration and, like, that's just baked into the fandom. So whether or not any of these people are Star Wars fans, quote unquote. I, first of all, I would say that I would be highly suspect of anyone who does that being a Star Wars fan at all. Mm-hmm. Anybody can just go in there and just be a, an asshole, be a troll. And that doesn't mean that they're all Star Wars fans. And I refuse to believe that that is even a, close to a representation of the Star Wars fan base at all. It's unfortunate that that Star Wars fans have a reputation for being quote unquote toxic um again i think that's just more a function of the nature of social media that you know because i've never i've never like when i go to star wars celebration or even other comic cons that's like the opposite of what those those people are like like Uh it's usually the most loving and inclusive environment you know Mm -hmm. when you go to these things and you know, and even even people who might be, you know, quote unquote, politically or religiously conservative, who are Star Wars fans, I would never, you know, like there's there's people I I I, I know of online or even in person who are Star Wars fans, who are very conservative politically or in their lives, and they're not racist at all. Right. So yeah, definitely. And I, so I just refuse to believe that that that's even remotely a representation of even the smallest percentage of Star Wars fans. 
And it is what it is, you know, but yeah. It's just it's it's something that's, you know, it's 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 gonna it's gonna it's just background noise. It's gonna go away. It's unfortunate. And I think that but I think that now in our culture, like the things that that happened to people like Ahmed Best or or Jake Lloyd, I think that now our culture is, you know, like, I mean, it was immediate, the immediate response from everyone involved with the show and everybody who's a fan was, no, mm -hmm. we stand with her, like, that has no place here. Yeah. That was the overwhelming response, and then it's just not a thing anymore. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad. And whoever, whoever helped out with that, thank you so much. Um, and, yep. As I said before here on Trentron, uh, and in on our slogans, uh, this is a Star Wars podcast for all. And uh, that was something that I was definitely uh, like going for when when I when I thought of Trentron many years ago. And and I'm and I'm super glad to um, actually talk Star Wars uh, with great Star Wars fans, uh, even me being a person of color. And, and I don't uh, want to use that as a uh, way of promoting this podcast by any means, but um, like, it's just great having uh, people that have that same love for Star Wars and get to uh, share it with all of you guys listening at home. Uh, and I really couldn't ask for uh, uh, any other way to use my time on this planet. So, um, well, yeah. So um, that will be it for us for tonight. Um, Episode so, four drops in about six hours. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and with that being said, uh, we did record episode three before doing this one. So we're, uh, we're a bit late on a lot of things. Um, but yeah, uh, please check out part, uh, three when that gets released, which I'm pretty sure is going to like happen like right after, uh, this one gets released. So, um, until then, uh, may the force be with you. Always. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million.